today. So, ladies, we mentioned we got two other ladies on the line. So maybe we're going to step back and listen to them so you guys can get started. Thank you very much. Okay. Well, we decided since all of the drama was going on in the world today, and we don't know if this is the best of times or the worst of times, we thought it would be a good time to talk about mental well-being. And so we've got a couple of wonderful individuals who have a great with their presence today to tell us a little bit about how to deal with things um, and how to handle some of these life pressures that we're, we're going through today. I have a uh, an individual therapist by the name of Lynn Barnett. I've known Lynn for years. She used to be a neighbor of mine. Uh, she's a licensed clinical social worker in Kansas City and Missouri. She's the clinical director of Mid-America Family Treatment Center, LLC, and works with children from ages 3 to 18 who are adopted or are in foster care as a family-focused attachment therapist. Uh, she also works with children who identify as LBGTQ, focusing on children and youth who struggle with gender identity issues, and she's passionate about her work with children who struggle with trauma on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, she's doing a, a lot of teletherapy this year um, and helping children and parents deal with constraints of working with COVID-19. Um, the second person that has uh, uh, volunteered her time, and is, uh, I'm very grateful that she's uh, on here today. She's a very dear friend of mine, a close family friend for years. Uh, Jackie Ross, uh, I'm sorry, Jackie Reed Smith, um, is a psychologist, she's a licensed psychologist and mental health provider for the Veterans Health Care Administration. Uh, she graduated with her PhD in counseling psychology with an emphasis in health from uh, University of Kansas. Uh, she completed her postdoc work at the UM UMKC Center for Behavioral Medicine uh, with an emphasis in long-term psychiatric care. She was also a professor at University of Texas. Uh, she was at the Anderson Cancer Center. Uh, she Radio, 
facebook.com and we also on YouTube, we're on Facebook, we're on satellite uh, website, and we just need you to bring us up to, up to date information. And we hope that our listeners take advantage of it. And thank you very much for allowing me to plug the name of the show. Love to let people know who we are. Um, I'll go ahead and start with Landon and go with Jackie on some of your experience and your understanding of what people are dealing with. What are most of the issues that you see prevalent with mental health, um, areas that mental health seems to be the largest uh, problem in, and then some suggestions on, on how people can uh, work to deal with some of this? Well, first of all, I work with children primarily. So most of the kids I work with are really struggling with um Issues around uh, having to go to school, and some of the kids, most of the kids I work with, have been going to virtual school since March. And a lot of these kids are really, really struggling with depression, anxiety. They are having to deal with um, uh, isolation and loneliness, and they have, a lot of them haven't seen their friends. So, or if they're having friends, they are seeing their friends virtually. Um, so the struggle that they're having is is primarily through school, um, not getting to see their friends, not you know, being being at home, not getting to go out. I don't think they're struggling too much with wearing masks because I think they're excited about getting to get out if they you know, like and so wearing masks is okay. But I think they're struggling with that. Parents are trying to work in uh, homeschool their kids. A lot of these parents don't have um, the internet or the stable internet to do that. So they're having to really take over a large part of the, the teaching with their children and they're working if they're working. And so some of the kids, some of these parents have, uh, most of the parents I work with are work, you know, at least one parent is working, but the other one is very often working and homeschooling. So there's a lot of frustration, um, and kids are acting out. There's a lot. There's some behavior issues that are going on, um, and and I think even whether whether I'm working with foster parents or I'm working with biological parents, I think the struggle is that they don't quite yet how even how to negotiate school and work and being together all the time and not getting to get outside and those those are very real issues and then on top of that you have money and and the financial the financial strain um so you got a lot a lot going on not so much mental not so much realm of mental illness for my for the clients i work with but mental strain and and exhaustion and so and then i've got kids who are secure and those kids are acting out, and um, so I'm seeing kids remotely. I have been seeing kids remotely since March, and um, often see them two and three times a week. Okay, Jackie, um, how about you? What type of things have you been um, noticing or identifying mm -hmm. with a uh, uh, mental mental issues? Um, and um, how how would you identify uh, being able to uh, address those? Absolutely. Um, so primarily, and I, I would agree with Lance kind of in some of the things that it's, it's kind of just 
all of these things happening at once, and then it's just very overwhelming, and it, it's kind of, you know, the stress and the strain of it, also not necessarily knowing what to expect next. So there's this sense of fear and a lack of familiarity about what's going to happen next. So, so none of us have done this before. So we are not sure what's the next step, what's going to happen tomorrow, um, how do we manage this. So it's a lot of fear and worry. Um, initially, I, I, um, it was fear and worry for adults about, you know, how is this um, transmitted? You know, what does that mean for me? How do I stay safe? How do I keep loved ones safe? Um, so you're worried about if you're if you're in a safe place, you may be worried about other people being safe. So it's not always um, you know black and white in terms of if I can make myself safe. What about my family, other people? Other things that, to be mindful of is that stresses that are related to financial, as we've seen our economy kind of change. So um, individuals who were gainfully employed prior to um, the, the changes in March have seen um, changes in their employment where they may, uh, may no longer be employed, maybe fearful to go to work. So maybe making changes that may be uh, balanced with health. Um, also, um, or, or that you are underemployed, so there's not enough work for you um, because of the changes in what people are doing in our habits now. So um, kind of having that financial situation, um, changes in our jobs, and, and that's fluctuating, so we don't know. So maybe in the summer, things maybe went somewhere closer to what you feel like your norm was, but then here we come again. And we're trying to figure out how to maintain our financial status or maintain our financial situation with continuing changes. Also, the thing that happens, too, with, and, and Lynn talked about this with the children, is that they're no longer going to school or able to go out and be with their friends. So for adults also, too, a lot of the uh, support uh, services that they may have had. If I think about like individuals who are elderly, maybe they spend time at the community center throughout the day, uh, connecting with other people their age, engaging in activities that they value. But now, um, because of the changes and, and trying to maintain safety, that maybe those activities are not uh, available to them anymore. And so um, some of the things that we do to kind of reduce stressors or to maintain well-being are, are just the same things we do to limit the transmission of the virus. And so, it, you know, trying to balance both of them. So we want to limit the transmission of the, uh, of the virus, but at the same time, we want to limit how the influence and the impact of um, what's going on in, in our environment as well. So kind of just all of those things at the same time um, be feeling overwhelming. And I, I would agree uh, with Lynn in terms of 
as I said already, is that it's not necessarily um, mental conditions per se, but many times people are dealing with um, the fear and anxiety that they usually don't deal with. So then that makes it even more uh, difficult because this hasn't necessarily been uh, happened to them in the past before. So this is all brand new in that respect. And uh, when we get a chance, I'll talk a little bit about some of the things that we can do. But I think it's important to um, think, you know, to normalize that what people are going through is really a normal reaction to the current situation. And that is okay to feel some of these things. Okay. Um, I want to ask you guys about, I mean, COVID started a lot of this stuff. People had issues anyways. I mean, people have everyday frustrations with raising families, uh, just dealing with finances in general. But the, the pandemic really put a monkey wrench in things. And the statistics they're throwing out now is that, um, you know, as far as nationally, we're still looking at about 22 million, over 22 million cases and 371,000 deaths. So on top of all the other stresses, we have these things that even though we have a a vaccine, they say that at the rate we're going, it may take about seven years to vaccinate everybody, and people are afraid to get the vaccination. Um, and then let me step up the, the production of the vaccine. So how do you think this is going to impact people long term? Because some some of their actions are going to need to, or some of their ways that they address things aren't just going to be a quick fix temporary. They're going to have to be some longer term ways to adapt and cope with some of these things and and what what is your take on having to deal with this on top of the other stressors and, and how long it may take and what they may need to do lynn i'll start with you well i think we have to i think we have to recognize that, that it's going to take a while and and to be honest with our kids about that you know we need to i i think that we have to be very careful not to not to to put on um a pretty picture for the kids and say, oh, you know, we'll get the vaccine and it'll be okay by summer. Um, because it may not be. It may it may not be. It it may not it may not happen. I think being honest with the kids, being honest with ourselves and being honest with our children is really important. The other thing that I think it's really important to do is to take care of, you know how when when you go when you go you go on the airplane and they tell you to put your own mask on first. That's really important also in, in mental health. And so parents really need to take ex, make an extra effort to take care of themselves, take care of their own mental health, take care of their own, um, you know, learning how to calm down and, and working on their own ability to, to normalize what's going on for themselves so that they can help their kids do that well. Um, so that if the parents are, are are honest with themselves and they're calming, they're doing their their own self care, then they're going to be in a better situation to to help their kids um, deal with this in the long in the long run. Um, so and I oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, this is Rona Holloman Hughes. I wanted to um, just quickly ask you about how much information we should share with children. I know the other day, Wednesday, um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, the events of Wednesday was historic. And I recall, I'm going to take it back to when Nixon 
was resigning and getting on uh, to the uh, airplane, the airplane helicopter. And I was in fifth grade, I believe. And um, I was playing with my little friend, Janie Gervich, and her dad called us in and said, sit down, I want you to watch this because this is history. I did the same thing for my little granddaddy. She's nine, and she came in from school, and I said, I just stopped the TV, and I paused, and I said, I want you to read this. And um, it said, you know, writer's storm, capital. And I said, that's history, and I want you to just, you know, take time to remember this point in history, and then I let it go. She's only nine. So how much do you think we should share with um, our children? How much do we discuss with them? Do we discuss just a little, or they, you know, uh, are, we, are we putting too much on them? How much information should we share? I don't think that we can, I don't, I think we have to look at it age by age. And and also maturity level. You know, if you've got a six-year-old who's, who's mature enough to handle the information, you know, share with them honestly the, the information. But it's like, it's a little bit like talking about 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 um, where babies come from, you know. Um, tell them what you think that they they can handle, and and then let it go, you know. Or if they look like they need, they're done, let them go play. If if with older kids like uh, middle school, um, give them a little bit more information, and and talk with them, you know. Um, Give them as much information as you feel like they're mature enough to handle, and then, um, and then have them do other things besides watch TV. You know, because I think watching CNN or watching you know, watching the news is really unnecessary when it's over and over and over again. Let them see what's happening, and then let them go do something else. Let them know that they're safe. Let them know that they're okay. That they're not. You know, they're not at the Capitol and, the, you know, the, the police have the Capitol secure now and then let them go. If they come back and ask questions, answer the questions. You know, I think that when we're honest with our kids, they, we, we serve them better. But if we if we're honest with our kids and we give them way too much information, that's that's overkill. So and if your children look are starting to get anxious um stop okay okay you know i think i think we have to take our clues from our kids now in high school i think high schoolers you know i think that they can probably handle more information yet and we can get into a bit more more detail with our you know our our sophomores and juniors and seniors but but again if it looks like they're getting anxious you need they need to know that they're safe and that they're okay and that um that that's going on in Washington and not in Kansas City. Um, okay. So, and I, um, as far as tools for kids to get them to um, calm themselves down, I know a lot of, of schools now are using like meditation and yoga. Do you advise any specific tools to help, especially small children who don't understand um, the changes that have been made in their household? Um, are there any tools you, you think that can help um, them um, calm themselves? I think it, I think it's really important that parents model some of those and do them with the kids. If parents can can work with their children on breathing, 
breathing is always going to be a wonderful way to help their frontal lobe you know, get back in power. Um, you know, because because when when their when their their limbic system's all upset, you know, we know that the brain don't work very well. So we want them to calm down, and the more oxygen they have, their and if parents can do that with their kids. Do I don't know that there are many parents who know how to do yoga, but if they do, great. If one of the things I suggest, and I know it's a, it's it's a trick that I love to do. I have everybody put their favorite piece of candy in their mouth and really concentrate on that piece of candy and really concentrate on what it tastes like and what it feels like and and really, really do some mindfulness with that. And kids love to do it. They don't even know that they're doing anything like calming down. Um, it's so, but I think that's a great idea. I might need to do that. <laughs> Um, I, you know, I think chocolate works really well for that, for, for adult women. Okay. Um, Jackie, I want to ask you a couple of things, because I know we've had some conversations over the last couple of days about, um, what's going on and, and how to handle things. Cause I know, um, I'm obviously not an expert in it when I'm sitting there eating a bag of M&Ms and screaming at the TV for a little while. Um, but, you know, when, when you get frustrated with the things that are going on. Um, and so there's there's other things that we need to be focusing on, which obviously lead to our mental health. Other areas bigger than mental health, like physical health, um, eating well, exercising, those types of things that we forget about when we're stressed. And I want you to maybe give us some information or ideas on how important that is and, and how we can start to focus on those things and what those things need to be. Absolutely. Um so one of the things that, you know, we have to recognize that um, that some of these things are out of our control. And so we can have, and, and regardless of whatever is going on in our lives, and to go back to what you said earlier, is that we these coping strategies can be coping strategies to, across our life um, areas or any time in that particular life across many situations. And so one of the things is recognizing that some things are out of our control and that um, there's something that we talk about kind of in what we call cognitive behavioral therapy is necessary thoughts and unnecessary thoughts. And necessary thoughts are things that we can do something about. So if I am worried that a hurricane is coming to my neighborhood, I can board up my house, I can get water, I can get supplies, I can do all the things that I'm going to do, or I can get my car gassed up so I can leave. But once I do all of those things, then the, the thoughts about what's going to happen with the hurricane becomes unnecessary thought because I can't predict the future. And so there's nothing I can do about that. And so then when we get to unnecessary thoughts, we have to figure out how to manage those. Because thoughts tend to make us feel anxious. They tend to make us feel sad. They tend to uh, change how we behave as well. So we want to manage our thoughts. And so one of the things that you talked about is um, if I'm watching the TV, and it's making me too stressed out. I know with COVID in March, I watched 
everything from early morning to late at night. But then there was a point that there was a time where I can't man, I can't do anything about this from my lazy boy. And so what I'm going to have to do is turn it off today, and I'm going to have to let someone else take care of it. And during that time that I turn it off today, I may focus on something that brings me pleasure. So getting active, as you talked about, is exercising or doing something that we enjoy, that's something that is likely to bring us enjoyment, whether that is some people may find knitting brings them enjoyment. We've seen a lot of people take up puzzles. They started coloring. They started doing a lot of things in their homes that maybe they didn't have time for in the past, but brings them joy. So finding the activities that bring us joy. And, and uh, Lynn talked about mindfulness. Um, you know, like coloring is a bit of a mindfulness activity because all you're focusing on is staying inside the lines or not staying inside the lines creating whatever you want to create, and you're not thinking about anything else. And what that does is just give our brain a little bit of rest from worry. Well, ladies, ladies, let me ask the hour, folks, with your next human conversation. I'm actually asking a question, okay? You know, we're dealing with different age groups, but uh, how do you deal when it comes to discussion race now with the young people? You know, they go over those things right now. Uh, everyone is uh, closer than we used to be. How do you how do you, how do you discuss that when, when when young kids ask about that or get into things about that? I want to make sure I understand that when you're asking about our young kids deal with race. Yes, you know when they yes. Um, well, that's a, that's an interesting question because I've had a lot of children deal with that. Um, I think that the the thing I talk about a lot with children is. Um, not just tolerance, but acceptance, recognizing that we're all human. And I talk about what is the same. You know, we all have red blood. We all, you know, have white blood cells. I, mean, I talk about what's the same. I talk, we, we have a pretty, I have a pretty frank discussion with uh, some of my kids about, um, about racism because I work with both I work with kids who are black and white and Chinese and Cambodian and, you know, Latino. And um, so I talk about, about, you know, different, different races and how we can all live together uh, and how important it is to stand up for um, your brother or your sister, um, no matter where they are. Um, and I think it's really important to, to do that. I also work with LGBT kids, so I include this and and how important um, seeing seeing the similarities is um, rather than differences. And and some of that you you know you bring up an issue of, of racism, and I think we have to talk about about safety, and we have to talk about. Um, sometimes we have to have frank discussions with, with our kids about keeping safe around, as much as I hate to think it, police. Um, and I have a Cambodian son who is um, not white, and I've had to have that discussion with my child. And it's very difficult, and so I've had to have discussions with parents about that as well. 
it's a negative, not that race, not just it's black and white, okay? Because right now we have so many, you know, I know new people in the entire country, you know, from, you know, and someone has those skin colors, you know, you know, not always just a black person was a, a person of color, you know, and it's just, it's, 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 and as I said, my son is my son's Cambodian. Mm-hmm. He's he's Asian, but yeah. he, you know, he he doesn't. He he looks like he could be um, Hispanic, or he looks like he could be black. I mean, it depends on the person looking at him. I my my oldest child is Chinese, so I have I understand that not white. You know, the a person of color. I think it's important that we we look at. Um, we talk to our kids frankly about what's going on. Mm-hmm. But you have to have open discussion with them about because for their own protection in most cases. Yes, exactly. Talking about race, um, Jackie, I want to get your take on it when you're dealing with adults um, and African Americans because there's a disparate difference between health issues with the African-American community and plus we've been dealing with health issues of the African-American community and particularly with this pandemic and the vaccine um, based on some things that have happened in the past and they're still thinking about the Tuskegee experiments that they had and and there's a lot of distrust out there. Um, How do people manage and deal with some of those issues Uh, and what do you see most prevalent in the African-American community um, if you work with that particular area? Absolutely. Um, my um, uh, research area is health disparities. And so definitely looking at, um, for the past 20 years, looking at the disparities that individuals have in terms of health. So, you know, when we first um, heard from Mayor Lightfoot of Chicago that um, the number of African-Americans who were being uh, infected and ultimately dying from COVID, it wasn't a surprise in that we are most likely to be diagnosed and um, have worse outcomes in a number of health areas, such as diabetes, high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease. And so a couple things that we're talking about. Uh, one is we talk about race and how people... Um, people's lived experience and um, that, that contextual experience, how that may affect them individually. And that, you know, that's going to be, that's going to run the gamut in how people may feel about it. Then the other thing that's going to be true no matter what, because of the science is, regardless of how I feel about race, COVID, I may be at a higher risk for COVID than any other group, black and brown people are going to be at a higher risk. And so how do we deal with the mistrust? So, you know, so, so sometimes we're struggling with, the reason why we have health disparities now is sometimes we're struggling with just helping us understand how chronic diseases are affecting us, right? We can go right. to the family reunion and the person with the sugar in our family is eating more cake than anybody there. So, you know, right, right. we're struggling with understanding how the health outcomes um, or how our health behaviors matter in terms of our health outcomes. And then we have systematic issues, and then we have, you know, it's a myriad of problems. But one of the things that's going to be most important to create change 
to create change. And one is that we have got to partner with them in our community. So yes, we come into, uh, come into Kansas City. It's a very important um, space because if we're talking to those communities, then perhaps people who are operating in the community have partnerships, have understanding, have connections, and they can sound the alarm for, hey, I checked it out. I read about it. I looked it up. I'm fixing time with it, and I think it's okay for you. And so if we can find those partners within communities, then we can start to change that dynamic. When we talk about, so that's in terms of health. And we call that, in research, we call that community-based participatory research. Um, when we partner with the community and we talk with people in those communities and they help us understand how to help the particular community so that we can have great outcomes for the community. Because strangers coming into the community doesn't create change. And so recognizing we need those communities to understand and create their own change. So just in the same way that we see police departments saying, okay, um, if we need a better police department, we need people from the community to be police officers. So in that same way, if we're going to change um, these outcomes, these health outcomes for individuals, it's going to be important in terms of COVID. When we talk about race in terms of just how we're feeling now, being disenfranchised, feeling that sense of uh, being disenfranchised and also feeling that sense of, here we go again. This is not new. So also, um, you know, get, being open, us listening, people listening, and, and that we're really hearing and we're creating uh, uh, tangible changes within communities. Um, I think one of the things that I want to also say in terms of race and as this is being a difficult time, even if we think about it in terms of stress, um, that we acknowledge that it exists. I think in this particular time, and since George, uh, since some of the things that have happened over the past year, we are hearing that people acknowledge that racism exists. Let me, let me ask you about that and how to deal with that, because um, I've been putting put in the position of being um, the black friend this year. Um, <laughs> it's exhausting. Um, I did take it upon myself to talk to a lot of my white friends and have my own personal uh, conversation group of, 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 you know, you have an opportunity now to speak with me. You're going to have a personal conversation with a black woman, and I'm open to you. And I did that early in the year, uh, right after um, George Floyd killing. Um but I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> I want to know, you know, how do I go on? I want to be open. I want, I want to be a source for my friends. But at some point, I want to stop and just take care of myself. And how do I tell them that? How do I tell myself that? Absolutely. You know, and I, and I kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, is that sometimes we have to shut it down. So every day, I can't be the person who monitors the news. Every day, I can't be the black representative. And so you, you said, hey, this is my boundary. Hey, 
friend. I want you to know that I'm open and I'm able to talk to you. But also, uh, go a little bit further and set a boundary that says, some days I'm not going to be able to do it. And some days they're not able to hear. Some days they may be tired too. I'm tired of talking about black stuff. Or I'm tired of talking about racism, whether it's across all races. Um, so being able to set our boundary and do self-care. So today is, hey, I'll go ahead and listen to your question. Let me think about that. Let me come back to you when I'm uh, when I'm ready to talk. And we do that in any type of conversations that we have at work. You know, sometimes things may be going wrong with just work stuff. And you say, you know what, not right now. <laughs> I'll come back. Let's talk about that tomorrow. Let me send you an email when I'm available for that conversation. And so we can do that with... Um, things that are the other difficult conversations that are social conversations and to be able to set that boundary and to be able to know that I'm doing self-care right now and it's not my turn to monitor everything today. And then it's okay. It's okay. And then once you are able to gain your energy again, then you can come back and you're ready to have a conversation if you want to. Or you could say, you know what, I... I'm not going to be able to come back and talk with you about this because I need to have a little time between me and these conversations. And that's okay, too. Uh, I'm going to ask one. Well, I have one last question. I'll shut my mouth here. Okay. We talked about the, uh, the effect that LGBT communities have right now with, you know, with older people. How does young people tend to try to deal with that? With LGBT issues? Yes, sir. yes. Because yes. right, uh, you know, right now, you know, kids can be very harsh. They can be very nice to each other. You know, so how will you mitigate, you know, no? Well, it's like kind of, it's a little different in different communities. For example, I think that in some communities, um, the my LGBT kids are struggling with, um, with prejudice or with bullying or with teasing. And then in some of my, of my areas that I work with, they're doing great. You know, they're being very supportive. I work a lot with, um, kids who are coming out right now as transgender or gender neutral or gender non-conforming. And, um, I'm finding that the... Could you kind of explain those identifying as male or female or maybe identifying as male one day and female another um, I tend to call that gender creativity um, you have kids who um, and these are kids coming out younger and younger like my youngest kid I've had so far is two wow young, really 
feel like they're one gender or the other, or they they know they're a boy, or they want to wear dresses, or know they're a girl, but they want short hair, and they want to play football. But, you know, they're kids who don't don't line up necessarily with, with traditional gender identification. So there's lots of terms. There's, there's um, of course, there's gender neutral. There's there's gender non-conforming. Those are terms that mean about the same thing. Uh, transgender are children. Transgender uh, kids are kids who are born identified as a female, and then when they get to a age, they identify as the other gender, specifically another the other gender. Um, it's specific. They don't feel like they they feel like like um, I've got a little girl who's a. Uh, a, a little girl who was bio, was born identified as a boy and is seven and would, does not want to wear traditional male clothes, wants to grow her hair long and wants to grow up to be a girl. That's transgender. Okay. I, I got a question. <clears throat> In dealing with maybe, I don't know, children or even teenagers, even adults sometimes, of these different standards. We seem to put a higher standard of responsibility and actions on our children than we do on the adults. Uh, you're not supposed to lie. You're not supposed to bully or hurt your friends. There's a lot of harsh consequences when you do these horrible things. Yet on TV every day you see it happening. And I'm not saying that it's one political party or one particular group. It goes back and forth. But it seems like the examples that we as adults are setting is do what I say but not do as I do. And I'm fighting with my nephew every other day because he's complaining that everybody else gets to do this and the police are pulling me over and gave me a ticket just because. And I said, well, if you didn't stay long enough at the stop sign and you gave them a reason to pull you over, but then, you know, you see on TV people lying and hurting people and or getting away with things that they shouldn't. And there's this double standard that you still try to justify, but it's getting harder and harder to do. How do you justify holding something parties to a higher standard than other people that should be setting examples and how do you explain to them that you know you're still going to have to take care of you and be careful because things don't apply to you the same way unfortunately that they do they do everybody else wow that's a that's a, a really complicated question <laughs> um i think with young children i teach them personal responsibility um, I teach them to take personal responsibility for themselves and their own behavior, but I I have a little bit more control over what I talk kids about. I don't know, Doctor. What do you think? I think there, there's two. I, think, I feel like there's two answers. There's one answer that I can have with my colleagues in um, conversations where there's diverse groups of people is that we can talk about things that aren't fair and that we are, and I think that's important that we try, that all of us try to affect the change. So for your nephew, I'm going to, you know, we're, we're, you're also going to, you're going to have two conversations like, how can we get, yeah, you're right about that. You know, you're pretty astute in seeing that. So what do you think we can do about that? And how can we make some difference? And and so that I think that brings about activism, especially 
for your nephew. The other thing, though, is the other conversation that you talked about is how you take care of yourself and you make sure that you stay safe. And so there are going to be different groups of people that have to talk about that second conversation that says, ultimately, it's not fair, but how are we going to be safe? And so it's two conversations, but I would engage the the young man in, and I do this with my son, um, is, okay, so what are we going to do about it? So we're going to be active in our our own community. We're not just going to complain about it. What are we going to do about it? How are we going to overturn this? How are we going to change this around? But also, how are you going to be safe? So my son, when he went off to college, he's a night owl, so he would go to Walmart in the middle of the night in a small town that I didn't feel comfortable for him moving around or seeing in the middle of the night. So trying to be mindful is that I know Walmart is open 24 hours, but I'm not sure if that's 24 hours is for you because I need you to be safe. So, you know, it's a difficult conversation. And and I, I know I've had a conversation with one of my colleagues at the university who uh, was Caucasian, and she said, well, that's blaming the victim. And I, I felt like that was a real, it brought out a really important conversation. So now I'm telling my son, don't get it, don't go somewhere where you might get into trouble doing just normal stuff. And so she says that's blaming the victim, but I also say, how do I keep my son alive? Well, let me jump in one more time, alive, okay? One thing that uh, most black men have with these with these surrounding their children is that if you get stopped by a police officer, the rule of thumb I tell my kids and my families, okay, that the police is always right on that scene there. So whatever he asks you to do, say yes, sir, no, sir, or yes, ma'am, or no, ma'am, and, and then look at the badge number of you going to get your ticket okay, and then bring it back to me or give them as a family, then we would get with it then. But while you're on the spot, Always right. yes, you want to say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And that's man, well, most black men, black people, have been families for years, and their kids go out, and especially in a small town, just assume that you should not be there, like we just said. If you have fear, they shouldn't be going out there because the parents, most times, this is bad stuff in the hell that need to pass up to their kids, and you, and you have to feel the right way about that. Can Absolutely. Um, so I'm going to ask both of you. Um, I am a very practical person. I want somebody to map out things for me. So do you have any online tools that we can use um, for our day-to-day living? For example, I have a app that at 6.30 in the morning tells me to drink a couple of glasses of water. Then it tells me to take my medication. And then it asks me, did I exercise yet? So do you have any online tools that you would recommend? And how do we get in touch with um, either one of you, if we need further services. Uh, well, okay. I love the idea of having an app that tells you to take your medicine and, and exercise. I probably need to put that on my phone. Um, um, I think that's a great idea. The, I think that I think that's the the first thing. Everybody kind of does things a little bit differently. I have a I have a a calendar. My desk, and since I'm at my desk almost all the time, um, I can do this. 
but it, yeah, I put little notes if I need to, if I need to go to the gym, for example, I put that on my calendar. If I need to do this, I put, you know, I put it on my calendar. Um, I, um, I also remembered that each day that I'm going to take care of myself in specific ways. And I would, I really encourage parents to remember to take care of themselves every single day by doing something that they, that, that, that makes them feel good every single day, because frankly, they're not going to be able to give to their kids what they need if they're not giving to themselves, you know, an empty bucket is just an empty bucket. So I really talk to parents a lot about encouraging them to, to do something and to schedule um, and put it into their calendar to do things for themselves every single day that's going to give them um, that's going to fill their own bucket. And then they can give to their kids what they need to give to their kids. They need to, to give to their kids, uh, to give to their kids the, the, the back rub or, or to read them a story or to just sit down and, and, and watch a movie with their kids. Kids really like movies. Um, so those are the things I encourage my families. It isn't so much um, the that they rely on, on, on the internet or whatever. It's just a basic taking care of themselves so they can take care of their kids. I also remind them if they, if they have family to hug their family, hug, to touch, to, to connect, to put lotion on kids' hands, put, put lotion on mom's hand. I mean, I, I do a lot of, of talking with them about how, how important it is right now to touch, to touch one another, um, because we don't, we're not touching enough right now. So those are the things I think, to to encourage people to 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 go forward, to put one foot in front of the other, and to and to get to go forward with this. I hope that answered the question. <laughs> yes, it does. Thank you. And Jackie, are there any tools, anything online, uh, anything that? Um, you would suggest that we can do uh, in our day-to-day lives to, you know, stay sane. Absolutely. Um, so one is um, you always can Google um, or go to your Google Play Store or go to your um, App Store and find a mindfulness app. So Lynn talked about mindfulness activities that she kind of knows, but a mindfulness app can lead you through um, mindfulness activities. Those are ways that you can do relaxation. Deep breathing are usually on there, muscle, re- you know, uh, deep muscle relaxation or getting you to uh, change, um, you know, monitor your thoughts and um, practice, um, you know, kind of slowing down and drawing your mind in. So a mindfulness app is really good. Another thing that I would have you do is we talked about exercise. And that we know that the Surgeon General tells us that we should do 115 minutes of moderate and intensity exercise. Um, I think of exercise as a magic kind of thing that we can do. That it all it helps with our mental health, it helps with our physical health, and it also um, relieves some of those stressors. And so, if you do 30 minutes of just walking. Just walking, I'm not asking you to jump, run, or anything like that. Just walk and walk as fast as you can walk. 
Now I'm walking slowly, you can walk. Just get up, get moving, because at some point, you'll have whatever level of fitness that you need to do. And so we're not asking you to do something that is out of your ability, but just do 30 minutes of physical activity a day. Um, on most days of the week, that usually gets you to 150 minutes, and that's going to decrease stress. Also, social support, Lynn talked about that, it's hugging people. But we also know that it's a pandemic, so some of us, um, you know, like uh, she works with kids, so kids are usually with adults. They have to be with adults. But for adults who may not have kids or may not have people in their homes, finding other ways to connect to other people. And so we've seen a lot of video conferencing or just talking on the phone, making sure that you make time to connect to people. Plan that into your day. Plan that into your schedule. The other thing that I want to say is make sure you get plenty of sleep. And so we know that sleeping sometimes when we're stressed out is not as easy to get, but we want to make sure we get pretty uh, um, plenty of sleep as best we can because we know that that's going to make us feel better or be, help us able to manage the difficulties in our life as well as eating healthy. So those are things that you can start with. The other thing that you can do is make sure you plan pleasant activities. And I said this earlier, plan pleasant activities in your day. There's things you enjoy. Um, you know, for my mom, I, I'm glad that she has an opportunity to go online and watch her church services. And yeah. even though she's listening today, even though I give her a hard time about going out to church when they open the church back up, I'm glad she has that opportunity because if that's something you enjoy, make sure you find a way to connect to it, and that could be on your computer. Jackie, let me tell you, my mother is 78 years old, and I swear she couldn't do anything on the computer until she had to get online for church. Get online for church. <laughs> exactly. So just finding other ways to do it. And one other thing I want to talk about is sometimes during this pandemic, we find ourselves using other coping mechanisms. And so one of the things that we want to do, if you find yourself um, finding yourself smoking more or that you are using alcohol or other substances more, we do want to connect to our resources or connect to our health, our health resources, call our health provider and see if we can um, see if they can help you connect to something some resources that will help you try to manage those as well. Well, thank you, ladies. Um, I uh, want to give MC a chance to say something we haven't heard from him in a while. And I also want to uh, wish Ira Polk a happy birthday, young man. Happy birthday to you, Ira. <laughs> Hello? I have myself muted there, but thank you very much. I'm looking forward to having a very happy 72 years. Uh, on this beautiful earth, life is good, as I always say. <laughs> MC, you with us? Do you have anything you want to add? Well, um, I know you guys are shocked that I didn't say too much or anything. <laughs> I just sit back and listen, but I want to thank them both. Before we, it's that time again, uh, the ladies, uh, not excluding our two co-hosts, but <laughs> How can you be reached or do you want to be reached? And I didn't go into a lot of things, so I'm going to step back for once and just listen. So we'll start with, uh, I guess, Lynn. Then we got Jackie. 
how you can be reached. Do you want to be reached? And um, I want to thank both of you for all the information provided. You see, I didn't, I didn't say anything. I just listened. Well, uh, um, I can be reached um, through um, www.midamericacounseling.com or you can go to psychologytoday.com and find me um, there. Um, those are probably the two best ways to reach me. And I'd love to have you reach me if you feel like you need help. I've got, I have, uh, I run a clinic, so I've got two, I've got three other just who can also be uh, families, kids. Uh, unfortunately, I don't provide services um, to the general public, um, so it would be very difficult to reach me. I, I tend to do a lot of research and things like that, although I do provide services to a specific um, population, so I don't um, provide services um, to the general population. Well, we do appreciate you giving us your time, though, and uh, helping us out with some great advice today. Yeah, both of you, Lynn and Jackie, I appreciate it. I know I we switched up topic in the middle of the week, so I called you a little late, and you guys came through, and I really appreciate it because this was a great show, and I think helped give some tips even to me to be able to use because. Uh, some of these I think I may need to implement. <laughs> well, remember when you're eating those M and M's, suck on them. Don't don't just. Pull them. <laughs> you know that might that might help. I would do a whole bag. <laughs> I'm gonna encourage you not to buy these. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. Like uh, hard candy. I enjoyed both of me. I like chocolate myself, but I, I don't have any have some chocolate. But we enjoyed you, both of y'all, being on the show and providing us with some needed information. Probably could have got into some other things about mental health as it relates to people committing uh, fatal acts and did they pass? Did they know this when they was young that they had those type of uh, situation of frustration? But anyway. Stay tuned to Guess Who's Coming to Kansas City every Saturday, 5 o'clock. And, and next Saturday, we're going to be talking with Dr. Karen Curl and her counterpart in St. Louis. They are um, renovating the Western Baptist Seminary located at 22nd and uh, Tracy. And they've already purchased uh, 10 acres here. And I think they got... Things not only in Kansas City, Missouri, but also St. Louis. So, I want to thank each and every one of you, especially our listeners, for listening to us or this information we bring to you. We're working on something to try to get us to do a simulcast where we'll be broadcasting on two different stations, but at the same time. So, without, I'm going to leave with the board of KKFI. Without that, we just say, have a safe, and I got to say, we won't have more in more situations like we did Wednesday. So I'll close with that. All right. Have a great evening. Everybody stay safe. Man, life is good. Life is good. Uh, uh,
Kansas City. Kansas City, here I come. Going to Kansas City. 